<laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? I think we ought to watch the rest of it instead of listen to the sermon. <laughs> How many of you watched Incredibles 1 already? Okay. How many of you watched Incredibles 2 already? Wow, almost the same amount. Fans. Yeah, we went to watch Incredibles 2 in, uh, up in Lebanon where my uh, wife's parents live uh, the evening that it came out. Uh, I think I was still on jet lag and I slept through the whole thing. <laughs> and so, but I get the general idea. And if you want to take a look at my slides, I want to talk to you today about uh, being God's superhero. There's a lot of good, good, good truths that you can glean, really, out of, a, of a, a flick like that. But the important thing for us is to understand uh, superheroes. I particularly like the Marvel Universe, but I, uh, Incredibles are okay, too. Uh, but uh, superheroes, and the important thing is to understand that you and I are God's superheroes, okay? And so I'm going to share with you two things, what I want you to know and what I want you to do. If you get nothing else out of the next 25 minutes, this is my main point. I want you to know that you have a destiny, that you have an empowerment, and that you have a mission. That's what I want you to know. And what I want you to do, I want you to go out and change your world. That's the, that's the crux, if you get nothing else uh, out of what I want to share with you. And by the way, all my slides will be on my Facebook uh, this afternoon or tomorrow. And so if you want to friend me on Facebook, I always check to see somebody who wants to friend me, who are they a friend of? And if you're a friend of any of the Schmelzers, I'll accept you as my friend. Okay, that's how we do it. That's right. <clears throat> so the Incredibles, the, the next slide, the Incredibles is the, in a nutshell, is the story of a cosmic warfare. Okay? And that's the story of the Bible. That's the story of what's been going on with the one true God of the universe. There's the good guy, Jesus. There's, uh, in this instance for the movie, there's the bad guy. And then there's the helpers of the good guy. And so this can translate to the devil's the bad guy. <laughs> hey, and uh, uh, Jesus is the good guy. And you and I are the helpers of the good guy. Can you share that with one another? Speak that to one another. You and I are helpers of the good guy. You and I are helpers of the good guy. There's a cosmic warfare that is going on, and God has enlisted us and given us the opportunity to work together with him to do a great work in our lifetime. The next slide. It's important for us to understand that, that the God of the universe has had one plan from eternity to eternity. We live in time, but there is a, an era before time. There's going to be an era after time. You and I live in the era of time. Before God established time, he had one plan. And after time comes to an end, that one plan will be consummated and he will be, begin on whatever's next. That one plan is found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Sometimes as we read through the Bible, and the Bible's a big, thick book, and there are there's history, there's people whose names are difficult to pronounce, there's cultures and, and weird things that sometimes we don't understand uh, because of the, the cultural gap, the historical gap, and there's uh, people, the good guys and the bad guys, and there's poetry, there's songs, and there's proverbs, and there's Ecclesiastes, and there's uh, all kinds of people, prophecies and nations that sometimes we get lost, you know, uh, because uh, we don't understand that there's been one plan 
one plan that has not changed from beginning to end. There's been different phases of that plan. And there's been different applications of that plan from Genesis to Revelation, but one plan. And the biblical terminology that we use for that plan is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. That's what God has been up to from before the beginning until Revelation chapter 22. His goal is to establish His kingdom on this earth. And in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, in the very first words, the very first recorded words in the Bible spoken about mankind, God reveals His plan. And we must, it's essential that in our lifetime, we must align our life with God's plan. And that was the, uh, the young man that came on stage and read the Bible verse. That's exactly what he was saying. That we discover the plan that God has for the universe, and then we align our life with what God is doing. Genesis 1 through uh, 26 through 28, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Next slide. God's eternal purpose that he's revealed in these verses can be summarized by four words. Relationship, representation, rulership, and reproduction. God's purpose is for every man, woman, and child in every generation, in every far place, in every near place to have a relationship with him. You know, when I visited Cambodia in 1994, I visited twice, and I, I gathered with a bunch of young men uh, at the University of Phnom Penh uh, under the, the shade of a tree in June, and I began to share with them the gospel, and I asked them, how many of you here have ever heard of Jesus Christ? Not a one of them had ever heard of Jesus Christ. And that's when it occurred to me that in Cambodia and in other places in the world, but especially I'm speaking on behalf of Cambodia today, there were and there still are out of the 14,000 plus villages in Cambodia, there are villages that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ since the time of Adam and Eve because nobody has ever gone to them. And so God wants every man, woman, and child in your county, in our state, in our nation, in every nation, every man, woman, and child uh, to have a relationship with him. That's his purpose. God did not create the world to have unbelievers, to have people that don't know him. That's not his purpose. He created the world so that everybody on the earth would know him and have a relationship with him. That's his purpose. Nothing less than that. Secondly, uh, representation. God created Adam and Eve and, and all of their descendants, you and I, to represent him, to represent him with every thought that we think, every word that we speak, every action that we do, every place that we go. Again, when we, when we see many people come to the Lord in Cambodia because they look at, at the Christian family now, and they think, wow, your family is so different from our family. Why is that? 
The way that you work is so different from the way everybody else around here works. We have, we have banks that call us, and they are looking for employers from our church because they know that we're honest. They see something that we represent a righteousness that is not represented. That's what we're talking about, so that we represent Jesus, that we talk differently, we think differently, and we act differently. That's what God's purpose is. And the third word is, is rulership. God did not create Adam and Eve and all of mankind to fail. God did not create Adam and Eve to fail. He did not create sickness. He did not create demon oppression. He did not create poverty. None of that was in God's playbook. It came as a result of sin. But in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve to be kings and queens, to rule over the circumstances of their life. Yes, they're going to meet with challenges, meet with difficulties, but not fall under those, but to rule over them, to become a change agent, to establish His kingdom in those spheres, to rule over poverty, to rule over sickness, to rule over demonic activity. And so we need to, to change our thinking about who we are. We're God's superheroes that He's created to establish His kingdom in the lives of the people around us and the institutions around us. And then to reproduce. Whatever God has given you and I, we take that and we pass it on to someone else. This has been our philosophy in Cambodia from the beginning. You know English a little bit? Well, then what you know, you teach someone else. You know how to play drums a little bit or play guitar a little bit or anything, work, computer, whatever it is, whatever the degree that you know, you know more than that guy. And so you don't say that I can't do it. You take what God has done, your experience in family, your experience in business, your experience in, in the, the, the difficulties that you've come through and how God has brought you out of them, and that you pass that on to someone else and they pass it on to someone else. And so, as I said, the biblical term for this is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. And it's important for us to begin to think like a king. To begin, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I'm going to try to be brief, but that Cambodia is a kingdom. It's not just a nation. It's a kingdom. We have a king. We've had a king for a long, long time. And during the course of this king's rulership, there was a rebellion there was a group of, of communists, and they rebelled against him to the point where they actually usurped his kingdom and kicked him out, made him a prisoner, and eventually kicked him out of his kingdom. And during the course of time, he was able to be restored. When Cindy and I moved to Cambodia in 1995, there was still a war going on. The, the Cambodian communists, uh, 30 miles outside of the capital city where we live, they were still taking foreigners captive, blowing up uh, villages and, and, and killing people. And so there was still a war going on. And the king was in his place, but he did not yet have complete control over his kingdom. Not every subject bowed their knee to his authority. And so how do you think he felt about that? Being a king, how do you think he felt about that? Well, I've got, you know, 80% of the country under my control, so I'm going to be satisfied with that. You know, 20%, it's only 20%, and so I can let that slide. I've got 80% under my control. That's not how kings think. It's all or nothing. Every knee will bow to me. That part of the land belongs to me. That part of that dirt that village, that district in Cambodia, it's mine. I'm the king. And so they fought wars until 1999 or 2000. There was a war going on, and, the, and the, the king and his armies gradually gained more and more control until eventually the entire country bowed their knee 
to the royal government. That's how a king thinks. That's how our king thinks. You can't say, well, I've got 20% of the Christians, or I've got 10% of the Christians in this city, people in this city are, are believers, that's enough. No, 100% or nothing. That's what God is after, 100% who will have a relationship with Him, who will represent Him, who will rule and reign in life, and who will reproduce others, 100%. Our God is a God or nothing. We are satisfied with much, much less than what God is satisfied with. We're satisfied with being sick. We're satisfied with being poor. We're satisfied with lack. We're satisfied with resistance. Don't be satisfied because, let's go on to the next slide, because number one, you have a destiny. Psalms 139, we're not going to read it, verse 13 through 16, it said that God has known you while you were in your mother's womb. In fact, before. He knew you while you were in your mother's womb, and he prepared a book where all of your days are numbered in his book. Maybe a computer file nowadays, I don't know. But nevertheless, your days are numbered. What he wants from you, the kind of life, the destiny, the future, he has it planned out for all of us. It's been my heart for over 40 years of knowing Jesus is I don't want to miss out on what God has planned for me. I don't want to deviate and at the end of my life, God says, what are you doing way over there, son? You, you're my son. I welcome you into my kingdom. But man, you missed what I had planned you for you by a long ways. And so every day, Lord, show me. Lord, guide me. If I'm doing something that you don't like, close the door. If I'm not doing something you want me to do, show me, Lord. Try to be obedient. Because God has a destiny for you. He has a future lined out and planned for you that will benefit his kingdom, that will benefit his overall plan. You have a destiny, you have an empowerment. You know, what I do like, I actually am an Avengers fan, but what I do like about the, the illustration uh, from, uh, uh, from the, uh, the Incredibles is it's a family. It's an average, sort of, ordinary family uh, that uh, by day are average and ordinary by night they're superheroes and turn the world upside down and beat up the bad guy. But they're a family. And so the, the same power, superpower in the father is also in the wife, is in the children, and even in the baby. Did you know that there's only one Holy Spirit and there's not a, a big Holy Spirit for adults and a little Holy Spirit for children? There's not a special Holy Spirit for pastors and another Holy Spirit for the average church member. One Holy Spirit fits all. One Holy Spirit with the same spiritual gifts, with the same power, the same authority. We're all the same. And so God wants us to recognize that we have received an empowerment to bring about change in the area where God has placed us. But your authority and your power is the same as Pastor Steve's, the same as mine, the same as anybody else's. It's not any different. Thirdly, you have a mission. God has a mission. He has a place for you. He has an assignment for you. He has an area, and, and some of you, uh, it will be in the home. Some of you will be at the workplace, at your school, but the place where you're at is God's place for you. He's put you there, you could say, is his missionary. You're his missionary at your place to manifest and establish his kingdom, his thinking, his heart, his ways of doing things in that place. Let's move on to the, the next slide. I've often asked myself, 
actually I haven't often, but I did ask myself once or twice, and then I came up with the answer. We use this term, God wants to be Lord over all of your life, every area of your life. Need to submit to Jesus in every area of your life. Well, what does that actually mean, every area of your life? It means your relationship with God, your relationship with family, your relationship with others, your relationship with your work, your finances, entertainment, decisions, plans. God has something to say about all of these areas of our life, and He reveals them, if not in specific form, He reveals them in principle in the Bible. That's why it's so important for us to read the Bible, and that's the mission of the local church is to educate us in God's ways of how we can live a life pleasing to Him. But further than that, God wants you to influence your world. You have a sphere of influence that God has placed you in, and it starts with your family, and it grows to your neighborhood, and to your work, your school, your business, your village, town, city, state, province, and nation. And so God will increase our spheres. We're faithful in the small things. God will increase our sphere. So at the very least, you should be bringing the kingdom of God, God's ways of doing, God's ways of thinking, to your family. And from your family, it should be to your neighborhood. Those who live around you should know something about a shift that we're bringing. And then, come on, for your city, for your, your district, for your nation, God has no other plan. That's God's plan, and you and I are His superheroes to make it happen. I'm going to share with you uh, one, two, three, four ways. In the last couple minutes, I'm going to share with you four ways that you can bring the kingdom of God to your family, to your neighborhood, to your work, to your business, to your uh, area of education, your school, uh, your nation, your village, your city. Four ways that you can do it. You is God's superhero. Number one, by miracles, healings, and deliverances. God can use you. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you're in your neighborhood, when you hear of somebody that is sick, someone that has a problem, at the very least, you can pray. And He can release the Spirit of God into their situation, into their life. You can ask them, do you mind if I lay hands upon you and pray for you? And you know what? You can cast out a demon without spitting. You can cast out a demon, you know, without, you know, raising your voice and screaming. But God will use you to do miracles in the life. It happens every day. I was telling Pastor Steve, every day, every week in Cambodia. It's common. It is common to see miracles, deliverances, healings, even people being raised from the dead. God can use you to do that. Number two, be a place, be a rise to a place of influence. Like Joseph, Esther, Daniel and Nehemiah. God can use you every business, every neighborhood, every city government, every national government. They have problems. They don't know how to solve them. Do you think God has an answer on how to solve traffic problems or drug problems or family problems? Absolutely. He's concerned about these things. He has an answer on how to run things in a way that will bring success and bring glory and represent Him. Like the people I've mentioned, like Daniel, like Esther, like Nehemiah, God can give you the answer. He can give you a dream. He can speak to you. He can show you, and, and that will turn their heads towards God, and that can bring a shift in the whole institution. Number three, using spiritual authority to change the atmosphere, such as prayer, declarations, binding, and loosing. God has given us the keys to the kingdom of God. And so you can speak into a dysfunctional family, a dysfunctional workplace, a dysfunctional government, 
God can use you to take his authority and to speak into it, to bind the works of the enemy and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. As you walk into, I used to walk into my place of work. I really disliked where I used to work at years ago. And, but I would walk in and I changed my mindset. I represent the kingdom of God and I began to speak toward the circumstances. I began to speak toward the negativity. I began to speak toward the demonic activity to see change brought about. You can do the same thing. And finally, uh, the, the fourth thing that you can do, you can be salt and light. You can represent Jesus by your words, by your character, by your family. You can do acts of kindness. You can help people. You can give them gifts. You can be a blessing to your neighborhood by, by throwing a block party or helping the children or helping the poor or something like that. That you can bring that change. Is that too difficult? Any of that too difficult? None of it. Is any of it beyond your capacity to do? None of it. You are God's superhero to bring his kingdom, to bring a shift, to bring a change in how things are done in your family, in your neighborhood, in the place where you work, in the place where you're steady, in all of that. You bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this uh, great group of believers here at Joy Church in Medford, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you would use these words today, Lord, to bring a shift in our thinking of who we are and what our mission is, and the potential of how God can use us from Monday through Saturday, right where we're at. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Nice entrance, Johnny. Let's all stand together. One of the greatest things is that God has a plan for every one of his children. In fact, the Bible teaches that God has a plan for every individual that's born on the earth. The sad thing is, is that many people will die never really accessing a relationship with the Lord. And so that's why Chuck and Cindy, back in 95, they went to Cambodia. They went and, and uh, they wanted to overcome the cross-cultural barrier of not knowing the culture, not knowing the language, really not having any contacts in the nation. And now their disciples are multiplying all around the nation. People who have found Jesus Christ got delivered. And, and that's beautiful. But why, why, why go into other nations? If, if it doesn't matter, let's say that you know, those that God has chosen will be saved and those that he has not chosen won't make it, then why, why do anything? Well, we believe that it's through the foolishness of preaching that the gospel is spread. It's the message that gets in the heart of someone and they go, I need God. Not, I need to be better, but I need God. The gospel's not about good guy versus bad guy. It's about dead guy versus live guy. And when you have Jesus Christ, you're made alive in the Spirit. You go from death to life. Then the Holy Spirit works on you to bring the changes and the commensurate deliverances. But calling on the name of the Lord and being saved is the first and primary way and the only way to become a part of the family of God. To be a part of the family of man, you just have to be born. But to be a part of the family of God, you must be born again. And that is where you feel that tug. I, I need God. I've sinned. 
I can never clean up myself. It's not about undoing bad things. It's about going from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of light and life in Jesus Christ. So week after week, we give an opportunity. And week after week, it's being given in Cambodia. It's being given all over our country. It's being given in Europe and everywhere else that people are preaching the gospel. They give people an opportunity to put their faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's when you do that and you call on the name of the Lord, the Bible said, then you can be saved. Then you'll begin to get all of that package that Pastor Chuck was speaking about. You begin to be that overcomer that God wants you to be. You begin to have dominion over poverty and sickness. How many of you know we really hate poverty? We don't hate poor people. We hate the thing that afflicts them and keeps them bound. How many of you would love to see poverty eradicated in, in our country and eradicated around the world? It's going to come through the kingdom of God. It's not going to come through somebody's plan. It's through God's plan. But you don't get God's power working in and through you till you become born again. If you would, bow your, your head and close your eyes. And right now, I want to speak to those of you that are what we call pre-Christian. Maybe you wanted to get it together and you, you wanted to know a little bit more about God, but you've never actually taken that step and said, I want to receive Jesus. I want to put my faith in Jesus so I can be freed of the guilt and the sin in my life, and I can be born again. I was born uh, by natural birth, but I need to be born by spiritual birth. If you're here today and you have not done that, would you raise your hand and just say, Pastor, I, I want to join God. I want to be saved. I'm looking around for hands. Any hands there? Anyone that would say, hey, that's that, that step I want to take. I want to be a part of the family of God. If you're here, put your hand up so we can pray with you. Okay, I don't see any hands. So that means that, that either you're not ready or that, or that we're all believers here. Both were. You can uh, open your eyes and look up here. So now I'm gonna come into agreement with you. How many have ever had Satan try to bring doubt? Maybe just comparison with others? You think, well, I'm not all that in a bag of chips. I'm kind of like mediocre. I'm really nothing. How many of you know that's what the devil wants you to think? But when, when you let the, the Spirit of God work in you, you let the teaching like this work in your heart and say, hey, average people become superheroes with God. And I want to be a superhero. We've all seen times, those of us that have preached the gospel and those who've risked, we've seen the Lord open up doors. Chuck and Cindy have miraculous testimonies of what God did for the gospel to be established in, in Cambodia. Kim and I had tremendous miracles when God was opening up the door for us to establish our church here in Medford. Miracles of provision, healing miracles. And every time someone comes to Jesus, I'll ask people, everyone's well, where did you get saved? I got saved here. Okay. You mean at Joy? Yeah, I got saved here. Every one of you that have come through to Jesus here, that's a major miracle. Do you know what that makes me? A superhero. You know? And all of you intercessors and all of you that work in 
I, I can tell you, and you'll all agree with this one, everyone that dares work in the children's program are superheroes, aren't they? We know that. Let's put our hands to up because we're going to ask the Lord to work, the Holy Spirit to work on our thinking. We need to have our mind changed all the time. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, change my heart, change my mind. Help me to understand that every day that I walk in your spirit, doing what you've asked me to do, I am indeed a superhero. Help me to know that your power works in me as I talk to my neighbors, as I care for people, as I tutor someone. Everything that I do in your name is superhero status. Help me, God, to stay consistent with this knowledge. I cast away discouragement. I cast away despondency. I will not compare myself with others. I will be the best version of myself. You've made me as your handiwork to show forth your virtues. Help me, Lord, to stay delighted to do that. I don't have to augment it. I don't have to fluff it up. But when I walk in you, it sets captives free and does great things. Thank you, Father, for this teaching and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.